When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. This evening I'm joined by Yas. How you doing, Yas? Yeah, mate. Always good. Always good. Good, good, good. And we're joined by Kay. How you doing, Kay? I'm in severe pain. The Lakers are starting to Laker again. So I'm just taking it with a pinch of salt and just enjoying what I can. <laughs> Listen, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, before we get into our nitty gritty, as usual, we'll go through a bit of the this week's NBA news. Uh, we're going to start with the, the the big news. Um, well, depends who you ask. The big news: Joel Embiid's injury. So uh, it's a deep bone bruise. After yeah, I saw it. It didn't look nice, and he actually looks pretty lucky that it wasn't more serious. But uh, it was against the Wizards. Looks like he's going to be out for two to three weeks. Uh, implications in the way, race for the top of the East and also implications in the MVP race. Uh, Kay, what are your uh, initial thoughts when you heard Joel Embiid's down for two, three weeks? I was just just praising the Lord, honestly, because we know his history with injuries and especially knee ones. I just thought, an ankle sorry, I thought this would just be the end for him. But thankfully, he's actually, I say, okay. So two weeks of deep, a deep bone bruise. I think he might even take extra precaution just based on how the season was going. I mean... There are they're one game ahead of the Nets, two and a half ahead of the Bucks, and six ahead of the Heat and six and a half by the Celtics. So I think they confirm it for like two weeks, and it should be interesting to see the role that Tobias Harris takes on now because he's been playing well alongside him, and he thinks, in his opinion, and I'm not too far off the thought that he was having like an All Star caliber season. Like he's been playing well, like he's it's, it's hit and miss. And then obviously Ben Simmons. We'll see what he's like leading this team on his own, more or less. So should be interesting. But I'm just happy it's not any longer. Yeah, and, and what about yourself? Yes, obviously we've we've spoken at length about uh, the MVP race going on between himself and Nikola Jokic. So so and obviously you're a Celtics fan too. And so potential implications for you guys is playoff push. And what are your thoughts when you saw saw him go down? I I don't I don't love Embiid just because Sixers and us have had sort of big rivalry games and this that and the other and rivalry is a big part of sport and it, it taints your view of it. But I love the season he was having just from a neutral point of view. I'm on record as saying him and Jokic have been my two man MVP race from week one or two. So I didn't really like to see him lose two to three weeks. And then if you look at how uh, Durant is being managed, how Anthony Davis is being managed, obviously we don't know the ins and outs, but it's a season where you seems like are keeping your stars out as long as possible um, and are being super, super precautious with them, especially someone like Kayseb with the history of Embiid. Um, but the way that went down, like we've seen it in football and we've seen it in basketball, like that could have been a year easy, that sort of hyperextension and the knee going back in on itself and everything. So it's come out of just a bruising. That guy must be vibranium legged out because that was, um, that was, that was a, a getaway with it really. But I'm actually interested to see what the Sixers do, to be honest, because they're not going to be able to just throw it to Joel and Joel do his thing in the post or Joel score 40% of his threes when he when the clock's running down. Like Already they've got two wins without him. 
since the All-Star break. And I'm just interested to see what they do. Like, I think people like Danny Green, Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, uh, Matisse Thibault, I think they'll just get more touches and I think they might change out their style a little bit. So it'd be interesting. I don't think they're going to be better, obviously, but it'd be interesting to see if they can work on some other stuff that might complement them a bit better when Joel comes. Because I think playoff-wise, he's a funny one, Joel, is that he can go 30 points, 35 points, and then still get swept in a series, as was last year. So I think it'll be good for them long-term in a weird way um, to maybe try some some other things. Also, do you think we might, sorry, kid, do you think we might see a bit of uh, Simmons in the paint with, with surrounded by four four shooters? I think they have to give it a go, like, especially with... with um, Maury Ball. Yeah, man, Maury Ball, straight Maury up. And then man. especially that game where Simmons, what, had he had his uh, career high or season high, what we talked about it on the pod a few weeks ago, and there was no Joel, and it did open up for him a little bit. It wasn't the only thing. Like, it's not as simple a relationship as that. But he, him being more aggressive, which he has been, and having shooters around him, and maybe playing five out, four out, whatever, um, it'll be interesting to see if, if they do anything different and maybe add some just new strings to their bow. But Doc, Doc's a bit of an old-school guy when it comes to offense. So whether they actually do or not, I don't know. Also as well, the top of the East are streaking right now. So it could change in the next few games. Remember I said, obviously, the Nets are only a game behind, Bucks only two, two and a half behind, but Six is currently on a five-game win streak. Nets on a four, Bucks on a three, Heat on a four. And yeah, it should be very, very interesting, especially. So I want to see how they kind of manage the fact that everyone else is kind of coming into form and they're actually not, they're on an edge, basically. Ahead and of and the last last little word on that is I said on the preview pod is that I think they'll fall away a little bit just in terms of reverting to the mean. Because a lot of their wins were against like early season Miami, early season Boston, yeah. early season Charlotte. So a lot of their wins, they they, they flat track bullied it a little bit. Like they've beaten who they're meant to beat without any dramas. Hey, so I thought, I thought they might have made a move. But now if you've got Embiid out and you don't know what's going to work around him and he's not back to well after the trade deadline it's a bit of a funny position for them to be in now. Do you bring someone in and just hope they're going to work with Embiid when he comes back, when there's less time to work with it? Or do you stand pat and hope these other guys can elevate? So it's a funny one, what it might do to, to what they can do this year. Agreed, agreed. Their, their record has been, while not even being that stellar, to be honest with you, um, it has been a bit of a false image, like you say, where they struggled. It's a losing record against the, the, the good sides and they've just uh, been flat-track bullies. So yeah, getting the other guys reps ahead of what they probably want to be a deep playoff run um, and what maybe invariably leads to them having to get through either the Bucks or the Nets to get to the final. Um, yeah, let's see what they uh, come up with. Um, the next thing I wanted to discuss about is LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, NBA vet, uh, been in the league over a decade. Um, looks like the Spurs are trading him. They're, they're deciding to cut their losses, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and he's been linked to Miami, the Bulls, your Celtics as well. Uh, yes. And potentially going back to Portland to join up with Dame. Um, yeah. What what are our thoughts? What does LaMarcus offer a franchise at, at, at this point? I mean, um, yeah, his best days are firmly behind him. Um, yeah. So why do you think you're linked? First, I'll ask you, yes. Why, why do you think you're even linked? What do you think uh, your, your Celtics see him giving you guys? There's a few things. Number one, we we need a four. And so if you look at who we're linked with, we're linked with every four going. Uh, number two, when Danny Ainge was asked about who what we need, he wasn't wrong and he said shooting with size. And that kind of is in keeping with everyone we're linked with. 
However, I, I'm taking it with a pinch of salt because I, I, if we were to use the trade exception on it, like a buyout is completely different. Lamarcus Aldridge on a buyout, me and Kay, we can chat that up and see what he might offer there because, you know, he, he, he can shoot. He's added the three to his range last sort of year and a half. And yeah, his shoulder looks like it might be done in. He might be done. But buyout is buyout. It's low risk. For a trade, like depending on what pieces you have to put in that to match his salary, which is like 24, 25 mil, I don't know. But on the Celtics, we're, we're putting out something as early as tonight, tomorrow, just collating every trade rumor going before the deadline. Um, and I'm looking at my list, right? Most people, if they're linked with anyone, is like two, three names. And it's the regular names. It's our drum and might be coming, this, that, and the other. Bro, let me read you the Celtics list. Vucevic, Barnes, Bielitsa, Grant, Collins, Aldridge. And I've seen us with, I saw us in early, early PJ Tucker rumors. And I see us in early, early Lonzo ones. And, bro, people just throw the Celtics onto any trade rumor going because we have this <laughs> trade exception. <laughs> any trade rumor hey, going, we're involved. Somehow, man. It's, no, like, man. it's like when Chelsea first got money and or United now, where they just are on every rumor every going. Every single name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you guys yeah, like but I think, I think even the link with Aldridge, I think... I don't know for sure, but I think it even sort of said, I think it was from Shams of the Athletic. I think it said Celtics interested in a buyout. I'd be very disappointed if we were to like use a chunk of a trade exception on, on an expiring contract who missed the playoffs last year because of health reasons, missed most of the season because of health reasons. It's 35 going on 36. Like, yeah, that's, that's not a good investment. He still can offer something if he's healthy, but I don't know when the last time he was for a consistent period. He's making 24 million at 35 and he's not the man he once was. He's not a great rebounder for his size. I mean, he's not a great defender either. So I'm not really sure what he can add to a competing team right now. I mean, they want to trade him, but what you get back for him at this point might be very, very minimal. So we'll see what happens, but I'm not sure he really changes too much for a contender. And and Kay's right about the defense, right? Like if you when he has been playing for the Spurs in the last sort of 18 months. Considering the Spurs are going small, young, fast, he looks awful defensively. Looks yeah. Can't yeah. move his feet, can't stay in front of anyone. Like Kay said, he's not a, like a rebound machine. And if you're a contender, you need people who are going to contribute yeah. in every facet of the game. And you so, don't want him camping out on the high post doing pick and pops when he's not the most agile as well and he's not been shooting the most efficiently in his career either. Anyway, no, right now it's just vibes. And I think, so, yeah, buyout buy out X Factor, cool, but if, if it's a trade, that's that's bad business, bro. Yeah, yeah agreed, agreed. Um, and finally, wanted to talk on this and then kind of lead into our main topic uh, today, which is Project Rebuild. But uh, the OKC uh, Detroit trade, so Zvi Mikhailikic, uh, has moved to... Uh... You've done very well there, Mariah. I know you looked that up. <laughs> nah, not even. Not even. I only just... <laughs> joking. I practice up there. It's V. McCarthy or something. Oh, yeah, on your own. Yeah, he, he, he moved, he moved um, to OKC uh, along with a 2027 second round pick for Hamadou Diallo, former uh, slam dunk champion. So on one end, you've got your kind of European big who can shoot, handle the ball a bit. And with Hamadou Diallo, you've got your uh, athletic slasher, no range whatsoever. Um, looking at that trade on the surface, yes. Uh, what do you think uh, both franchises are trying to do there? Um, well, we, we'll get into OKC a little bit as we sort of go on, but they don't really have any shooting around um, Gilgis Alexander at all. Uh, they got they got they got Horford who who can shoot. He's got a bit of range. He's just on vibes now. 
Yeah, and it's, and yeah, the, and George Hill can shoot, but he's he's had thumb surgery, I think, so he's he's been out for a little while. They just ain't really got a natural shooter, and um, your, your man, uh, Morale, the the fella, uh, he um, he <laughs> listen, I ain't got it written in front of me, so I'm not gonna try it. But I respect he, that. I respect that. He can get really really hot. Like he he was sunk loads of threes in the we lost to Detroit this year, so it's, and uh, he was he just went off. Um, in the first game of that, so he can just shoot really well. Whatever else he can do, he's just sort of a spot up guy. Um, yeah. And then Diallo, Diallo, like a lot of Thunder fans were quite surprised at it because they saw him as like a nice sort of young piece. He's still only I think 22. Yeah, like you said, he's very switchable, very athletic. He can do a lot on the court. Um, but firstly, they get a 2027 pick, which they're just addicted to their picks right now. And secondly, I think when when I talk to them, when you look at their roster, he does. They're kind of moving past him a little bit. They've got a lot of those players who are sort of versatile, young. So I think I, I, they just probably just didn't see too much of a future for him when around around Shea, because um, I think their rebuild could accelerate quite quickly. To be fair, as we'll touch on later. Okay, anything you want to add on there? Obviously, we're talking about two of the more obscure franchises and two of your more obscure players. So um, yeah, I, I did my googles. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> You have suffered at the hands of Mikhail Kutch uh, that I botched that second time round. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you need to retire oh, when you're oh, ahead. Nasty. Retire at the top I, I of the game. Side note regarding that, you just said he's a slam dunk champion. It just shows our competitions in the mud, firstly. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching him, I was just thinking, what is this? So, yeah, for him, I mean... Like I said, there's no shooting Raul shy. And if you really wanted to tank and really start this project rebuild, you'd sit him. But we know that's not likely because I know these young guys love to compete. And actually with Svi Mahailuk, I checked how you say it, is Mahailuk. With him, like you said, I remember seeing him a bit at Kansas at the Jayhawks. And he was a nice shooter there. Spot up, can make something happen. But he's not really had the chance in the NBA. And to be honest, what he's going to be in the NBA is most likely a spot up shooter three guy. I mean, he's making... He's supposed to be a shooter, but he's only making 33% from three so far this year. So that's got to change. But that's a lot better than Diallo's like 28%, which is out of push, his best work. So yeah, I'm not really sure what kind of move they're really trying to get from this because it's a lose-lose for the two of them. You're going from OKC to Detroit, one just a bit sunnier. Like both places in reality, respectfully, aren't really trade destinations you want to be at. And like you said, we'll touch on later in terms of project rebuild, but they're just compiling more picks, and we'll see what Presti's on this time. I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to disagree. It's not somewhere you want to be traded yet, but I'm telling you, both yeah. of them have plans. Listen, okay, plans. okay, let's 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 get. And Kobe said, man, two and I want to get some sushi. I ain't getting that in OKC. <laughs> okay, so you're yeah, both cha- you're both champing yeah, at the fair, bit fair. here. So let let's let's uh, get into our our main topic, which is project re- rebuild. And since we're already at OKC. We may as well continue. You know what? Uh, can we start on Detroit? Because I have a lot less to say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They are shit. They are shit. Let's be in now quickly because yeah, I hate yeah, that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, listen. They're bad. Let's, right? let's talk about the Detroit Pistons. They're bad and it will be shorter, which is why I think they should go first. They are bad. And like Kanye said, I do feel very bad for anyone who has to live in Oklahoma City. Not necessarily has to play there. But yeah, it don't look like a, too much of a fun time. But you see the Pistons, right? They are not good, but they there's there's something there, right? Where if you look in and amongst the smoke, their offseason looked really weird to people because they signed like five big men um, and they someone still gave Jalil Okafor another contract for reasons unknown to me. <laughs> but 
if you look in and amongst the trees and the woods and whatever, they're just being like quite low risk, high reward, right? So they 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 dragged Josh Jackson back out of the G League last year, who was at one point a fifth pick. Was he a fifth pick? And he's yeah, in his he expected a lot of just, yeah. um, a lot was expected. Out of, out of not, Hawks expected a lot. And it's it's not it's not how it happened, but he's had a solid season, right? And then in the draft this year, they got Isaiah Stewart, and everyone, every draft head was like, "What the hell is this?" He's sixteen for like a sort of conventional blocking big man when there was talent left on the board. People were a bit confused at that, but they they went on character apparently. Troy Weaver, Troy Weaver, who's running that place now, who is formerly of the OKC front office, he he has a relationship with that player, and he's impressed me when I have caught them. He's, he's better than I thought he was. Sadiq Bay, they got as well, like who on his day is a flamethrower and a good little defender. Um, so they had a solid draft. Josh Jackson as well is one of their kind of reclamation projects where there's so low value that you can't lose on it. Um, so Frank Jackson, they've got on a two-way deal right now. He was at Duke and New Orleans and he had an amazing summer league and early, early, early Pelicans career. And I saw him at first and was like, oh, this is a player. He's been awful since. But again, it's just so two-way contract, which is like non-guaranteed money is so low risk that you can make something happen. Now they're looking to move Wayne Ellerton at 33 just for a second round pick, see what they can do with that. They got Killian Hayes in, again, quite high in the draft, but people, some, look, Kevin O'Connor at the ringer, who, who I quite like some of his draft shouts, he had him number one in his board. I don't think he's that 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 good, but I think he's got a lot of potential. He's only left-handed. The guy can't go right to save his life. You ever see that film Zoolander where the guy can't turn left? That's, yeah, that's, that's like that's like Killian Hayes using his right hand. He can't dribble right. And then they got Dumbaya, Sekou Dumbaya, still a decent sort of two-way guy. He's got potential. Another reclamation project, Dennis Smith Jr. Wasn't this guy like the hottest thing coming out of high school? At oh, one just because he could dunk, because he, he doesn't two- know how to play basketball, man. But this is it. So low risk. If if he just if if you can teach him some fundamentals, and it's so low risk, they got him for next to nothing. And then they got some nice little vets around. Jeremy Grant obviously is their big flagship. Like they got him coming in and he's putting up 25 points a game. And the biggest thing about Jeremy Grant, which is why he shouldn't be in, in the trade rumors, is he wants to be there. Like he wanted to play for a black coach in a black city in Detroit. He knows Troy Weaver in the front office. Like he wants to be there. And if you see one guy who actively wants to be there and that you respect around the league a little bit, I think that can, can help things. Um, yeah, and then I think Dwayne Casey, Dwayne Casey at one point at the Raptors, he got sacked two months after it or a month after it, but he was coach of the year at one point at the Raptors, right? So I think he's quite a good fit for like a young team that not much is expected of just to get them kind of working and grafting. And this is where we talk about Project Rebound. They are going to have another high draft pick this year. Their record's and awful. It's deep, and it's a deep draft, isn't and it? Do you know what it is? The top five in this draft, we'll probably go into more detail and another podcast later down the line when everyone's watched March Madness or whatever, but the top five in his draft are outstanding. Number one, Cade Cunningham, and then pick, make your pick below that. Jalen Suggs, who's a, who's a good long point guard, playing for the best college team in the country. Jalen Green, who just looks like an every-level scorer, young wing who was in that uh, G League bubble for Ignite. Uh, Jonathan Kuminga looks athletically really, really dominant as well. He was in that team as well. Um, and then Evan Mobley, who's like seven foot, but moves like a like a sprinter and he can shoot and he, he's switchable and he can defend little guys and big guys and he can handle. Um, yeah, like it's a sick draft and they have pieces that you can put things around. I'm not saying they're good. I wouldn't go that far, but there's stuff there. And then how many do Diallo? Again, that's low risk. What are they giving away? A pick for 2027 and a guy who they didn't want to pay. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I also found if I thought Brandon Knight was out of the league, so seeing that um he he was still hanging about was uh, interesting as well because he's another one who um has attributes but doesn't know how to play. But yeah, I appreciate you doing that deep dive. To be honest with you, uh, yeah, that's as deep as it's I, getting. I, 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 start, I started to, and I just couldn't do it. I was. Like, I really hope yes. Well, I was going through the players, and other than Jeremy Grant, I was saying, eh, eh, you, nah, man. You, you were really, really diving deep into what they could be. And I'm here to tell you respectfully, brother, I didn't believe a single word you said. You didn't believe that from your heart. Well, see what they, listen, <laughs> imagine, imagine they just and go you get, know what, And you know what? They might get someone next year and everything transforms. And you know what? B-Ball ref, scratch what I just said. 2020, Brandon Knight came off the roster. So they don't even have Brandon <laughs> <laughs> But this, this is, is it. This is it. They're, they're, they're low-risk moves. They don't work. No one even knows. No one this even knows when they don't work. The only way this changes for me is if they update this whole joint. Because obviously Jeremy Grant wants to be there, which is wonderful. Putting up 25 a game in this weird season. But I don't want to take away from that. But as a whole, this whole roster that they've got going on, for it to, to, it to benefit from the draft next year, they need to make a hell of a lot of changes because I don't see anything like conducive long-term, even though they might have a project rebuild. And of course the top five next year, which they'll probably have a go out of there. I just don't think as it stands right now, this horrible construction they got going on, it doesn't make any sense for me, man. And Dwayne Casey might be the guy to take them through it. And obviously Jeremy Grant as their, as their star. But yeah, for me, it doesn't really, it doesn't make sense long-term. And this will be be a project for a while. This will be a long, long time. You you need to hit and you need that hit to basically be a a face of a franchise. And you see that, you see the energy that that sort of player brings in. The energy a Jar Morant brings to Memphis. The energy a Lamella brings. Yeah, what do you say? They had good players at the bare minimum in Memphis. At least something to work with. They had the ghost of Alan Tunis, could still do something. Um, Before Mike Conley left. And obviously they've got Jaron Jackson Jr. I mean, that could work. But it's the thing, you, you look at Memphis, like... No one knew what Desmond Bain was. No one knew what Xavier Tillman was. Um, mm. These guys have come in this year and just been really, really solid pieces. Uh, Tyus Jones is getting decent minutes. Tyus off. Jones has been a solid point guard since Duke, so but I'm like, not surprised. But it, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm all of a sudden, surprised. you get you get a good coaching. You get the right player. Like, honestly, if they were to get their second worst record in the league right now, if they were to get Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, Again, we'll go into deep, deep, deep dive on him because I think people listening to this will now want to hear about these prospects and these are the five, like they're going top five. He, he, people are talking about him like he can completely change a franchise and he is a proper like floor general. I've been watching, he lost the final of his college championship recently, but I've been watching his, his sort of quarterfinal, semifinal and, and clips and everything. Um, and he is floor general. And then, but then you've got someone like Jalen Green. Jalen Green was scoring for fun in the G League against grown men. I think that project has been sick. Yeah, but he's 19. This is what I mean. Like, yeah. like college is one thing, but then going G League, okay, at least you're against vets of some description. Like, it's so it's, it's, it's been good. I don't know, man. This project is going to be a long, long term one. And the only thing I'll be changing if I was in Detroit was how fast I can get my ticket out of there because. Yeah, that's a long, long-term project, and I don't see anything happening anytime soon. There's only so many contracts that go around in the league, man. Um, so yeah, I agree. If 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 they got a solid NBA experience coach, they draft well, um, then it, they suddenly become a much brighter spot. The value of the franchise uh, increases tremendously. In 2024. Yeah, it'll be two, three years. That's about yeah, right. That's that's still that's what they that's, that's what they're looking what they're looking for. That's okay. a normal trajectory. That's a normal. But, that's why that's why these guys had to go first because they are probably the longest term of everyone we're going to talk about. Yeah, okay, good. Just checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, cool. Thank you for that, Yas. 
Uh, and with that, we'll go on to let's go on to the Sacramento Kings. Um, yeah, uh, Luke Walton, Sacramento Kings. Uh, you can, you can, you can. Is he a is he an NBA coach or not? That's the first thing I want to ask you. Yeah. No, he's not. <laughs> Luke Walton. I don't. I've not forgiven him for the crimes he committed at the Lakers. Firstly, and secondly, this is just a case of it. All due respect, nepotism. Like, there's no reason he should be an NBA coach still. And for what the Kings roster as it stands, we've, we've run through the players. Let's go through it now. We've got De'Aaron Fox, who's their max player right now. He's going to be their max player next year. Got 175 M's coming next year or so. And he was a borderline also, but unfortunately, in the way the league is, the guards are the precipice and the point, at the top point of this league. So he was going to be a very, very off chance that he made it in, considering the likes of Darren Booker are getting snubbed as well. But he's a very good guard that in this league, firstly. A small one, but oh well. Then we've got Halliburton, who I know Yes is a big fan of as well. Can shoot the ball, play well. So that's nice there. That's another solid piece they've got there. I'm not saying it might have all come together, but that's another solid piece. We go on to the next name. We all know what Buddy Heald is about. I mean, they called him, their, their franchise is Steph Curry. Bit of an overshout, just a tiny bit. But hey, we know what he brings. Buddy, Buddy agrees with that as well, by the And way. Buddy agreed. Like, we know, <laughs> what he, we know what he brings. Buddy can shoot. Buddy don't really play no defense, but he can. He's, he's useful. He's a big body. He can shoot the ball very well. That's one thing that he's, that's not missed while he's been in the league. And then we've got Bagley Jr. Sometimes raps, sometimes plays ball. But I'm not really sure what he's going to become of. But when he came out of Duke, he was highly, highly regarded because high motor, tall, athletic. But I don't think he's going to come to much. He's so Bye. underwhelming. Like he's very talked, underwhelming, I know. We've talked a lot about... We, we've been quite harsh on this podcast. Myself, Sai, I think you as well, boys, on the DeAndre Ayton, right? Yeah, because of a bit underwhelming, da, 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 da. Yeah. he makes Marvin Bagley look like, like a, a bust. bust, like a bust. And yeah, we got Whiteside. We know what he's on. He just he's he got his big contract at the Heat, and then basketball suddenly came like a second choice for him. He was doing we the best in Miami with DJ Khaled, and I'm not really sure he can be. I'm not sure what kind of positive. Okay, okay, you you, you you've seen Luke Walton up close, right? In terms of when he had that Lakers young core and didn't really yeah. do a lot of it and stuff. And, and from what from what I read is he's only he has got like a mad sacking clause, like he's expensive to sack. And I think Sacramento as a franchise have lost a hundred million dollars in the they've really lost during the um, pandemic. I think it's partly because of the Golden One Arena. Like I've been to that arena; yeah. it's beautiful. Which means when an arena is that new and that beautiful, and you're not filling it, it's expensive. It's, it's expensive. So, like, you look through that roster and you see Halliburton picked at number two. Harrison 12. Barnes, come on, bro. Harrison Barnes is an NBA champion and is having a career year. Tyrese Halliburton got picked at twelve; should probably have been picked earlier. Marvin Bagley got picked first. Third. Third. The Aaron Fox got picked um, fifth in a in a good draft. The shadow of Jabari Parker. Bro, so like what? what you, too, you've got a good roster, and then even like the role players like Rashawn Holmes has been a good center. Rashawn Holmes, I like Rashawn Holmes. Talks a lot. So what's going wrong? What is what is Walton doing messing about with it? And the thing is, they're so bad that they're going to get another top draft pick where they're just going to have four top top drafted players. And I still don't feel like they're going to do anything with it. Do you know what it is, yeah? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it is? Um, in the famous words of, I know some of our listeners are football fans, in the famous words of uh, Giorgio Chiellini, it's just the way of the Tottenham. It's just the way of the Kings. They're just going to do King shit, excuse my French, because they might have all these pieces that might be positive for them. But ultimately, for a long, long time, they were, they were really, really going neck to neck with the Knicks, like who was the worst franchise running the league. And only now they've kind of got some structure, but they've still spent money quite wastefully in this time. So I'm not really sure exactly what's going to happen. And Luke Walton, I think he got this job based on the fact that he was at the Lakers previously, okay? And then they obviously had high expectations. 
had that young core as well, but it was going so bad and he had the first year of LeBron. So there was also that. So there's the fact that LeBron is 45 times the player he was and also probably coaching the team a lot better, respectfully. And now they thought he got a hard, he got a hard run there. And also happens to be the fact he's seen as one of the smartest guys in the league and also his surname Walton. So that helps. And for the listeners that don't know, his dad is a Hall of Famer and current, currently one of the funniest college commentators there is. So he's now had that. On my days, I just remembered Bill Walton on commentary is something everybody needs to see. Bill Walton on commentary, he's high every time because, and like high off like acid and stuff. And there's rumors that he's no longer commentating in the NBA because he was overly harsh of officials and the way the NBA was run. So take that with a pinch of salt. But yeah, so he's now had the chance that the legs with a young core and people saw some small good things there. However, people must also accept that the Lakers young core compared to this one is a lot better as we've clearly seen what some of them have become. So they've now given him another chance with a young core in Sacramento, not too far from LA now, and thinking that he could maybe do similar and maybe put them in a position to succeed because there's no real big names there. I think the only real vet on that, the only real vets on that roster are Hassan Whiteside, who's never been the commanding voice of leadership in the locker room. Harrison Barnes, who was originally signed for 80 million and supposed to take them, supposed to take the Mavs to the next level, didn't get that and now went to Kings and got another big contract. So he's also just there going to give you 15, 16 a game. And then Jabari Parker, who doesn't play. So these are the oldest guys on the roster who have real say so. Okay, Nemanja Bielitsa. But this is a role. They're, look, they're looking to move him anyway. They haven't exactly. Really so these are role guys. I'm calling it's, now. it's funny, like the, the Harrison Barnes thing. So he's been linked with the Celtics pretty much all season. Um, and, and all year, the line from all the uh, journalists and everything was the Sacramento Kings don't want to trade because they're gonna they want to make the playoffs this year. As it stands, the Sacramento Kings are what three and a half, four games behind even the play in games, yeah. And they're, they're falling fast, their record is poor despite all these solid players. They're behind who we're going to talk about next, the Thunder, who came into this season trying to tank, and the Pelicans, who have one of the worst, if not still the worst, defenses in the NBA. Exactly. That's, not, that's not being competitive, and like. This, 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 to put that thing you said about the worst run franchise in perspective, do you know when they last won a playoff series? I know it's not going to be a shock to me, but go on, preach to the Last time they won a playoff series, 2004. They haven't made the Who still played then? Chris Webber. <laughs> Chris Webber was still the franchise king when they won a playoff game. Yeah, that's how we know these lots. Bro, they have they, they have the longest playoff. They haven't even made the playoffs for 14, 15 years. They have the longest got, drought in the whole the NBA. Longest. Have had the mellow time, the Amari time, Linsanity. Like they've been somewhere at least before. The Kings are always just going to be the Kings, and this is what they're actually on. So for me, I don't know what they're not exactly constructed to win. And unfortunately, they've tied up in the future. They've tied up a lot of money between Buddy, Harrison, and in the future um, from next year, um, De'Aaron Fox. And after a while, I mean, thank God he got paid. Like, he's been playing very well. Very young guard, he's been playing well. But in reality, he's going to look in the next few years and think, if you lot aren't set up to win, I'm just earning money for no reason. These guys are fiercely competitive. And I'm not sure if any of our listeners maybe watch some college ball. But to put it in perspective, in March, during March Madness, or or during the season, not even just during March Madness, during the season of the college season, when Lonzo Ball was ultimately the second pick. And I think De'Aaron Fox was third or fourth. They kept, they, their prospective unis came up to against each other. So Lonzo was at UCLA and De'Aaron Fox was at um, Kentucky. And so it's always been known across basketball that De'Aaron Fox is a fierce, fierce competitor. 
And so when they pulled up against each other and both their teams came, people were, people were talking that Lonzo was going to put the hurt on him with his boys because he had TJ Leaf playing Brazy and he was obviously playing fantastic. It used to be one or two in a draft when Marco Fox could still play basketball. And do you know what happened? De'Aaron Fox dunked all over Lonzo. And this is not Lonzo that you know in the NBA. This is when Lonzo was a real prospect and running things at UCLA. And believe it or not, LeVar Ball was even louder. So just to put in perspective what kind of competitor that De'Aaron Fox is. So he came into Lonzo's house and put the hurt on him. So uh, The only thing I'm going to disagree with you on there is how dare you. Markel Fox, before the injury, had a great season and it really, re- had, really, had really reclaimed his rep. <laughs> Bless him after no, being one of the biggest, big, biggest <laughs> draft busts of the I last to, I had to watch years. the magic. I had to watch the magic, bro. Like, sorry, sorry. <laughs> also, I just want to put, put, put a bit of disclaimer on that, like, Thank God that obviously Mark Fox is playing better. It's unfortunate that he got injured, but compared to what he was when he was the number one draft yeah, pick, yeah, it's yeah, a big difference. Yeah, yeah. So well, that, but, then, but then like all the things you said about Sacramento, that's kind of my point about Detroit is like, Detroit is a blank canvas. And so you talk about project rebuild and you have these assets and this, that and the other. Sacramento arguably have shown for four years, five years, that they have no idea what to do with great There's assets the in the draft. They, they have to, draft, they have to be I mean, the obviously they, they passed on Luca, which is going down as a historic mistake. But, 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 but they've still got two, five, and then should have been top five picks and, they, and it's not leading to anything. So even Detroit, like, okay, yeah, maybe they only have three, four players that some people might like as prospects. Sacramento, like you said, they have money tied up in people. They probably aren't going to be able to move. And they've already got a logjam of young players. Like, let's say they got number one pick and you wanted to go Cade Cunningham for Sacramento. But they wouldn't do it because they have two guards drafted from the last four or five years. So they just would be Doncic again. They'd miss out on the best prospect and get like, they're so, I just don't see, they, they, they have all the potential to do something, but it just yeah. never really amounts it's to anything. It's, it's an absolute mess. Vivek is running a clown court over there and they got Vladdy Divac in charge. Who's just on vibe? Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. I don't even know who's in charge anymore. Yeah, they got, they got they got rid of Vlade. Um, and I that's think the that's the best thing part, they've done for a while. Part so. of the part of the discussion was Luke Walton and like them him wanting to get rid of him, and um, them not wanting to get rid of him. So he was like, "Boy, I'm not tying myself." Right, right now is a is a swipe of the fox carry job, and I'm not really sure how they're going to really set up to succeed. And you're going to see in the next two, three years, he's going to be thinking, why am I not an all-star? Because bearing in mind, he is getting better. And he's one of the younger, good prospects in the league. So it's like, he's going to think, hold on, people are not going to pick me as an all-star if my team stinks like this. Bro, the Aaron Fox, like even, even, even we did an episode like the night, uh, the night of the, of the rookie contract extensions, right? So on the same night, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, and uh, De'Aaron Fox. I think they all got major, major extensions, yeah, right? Yeah. They all got in the same night. And I can't remember, I think, I don't know if it was you hosting Morale or Sai or someone. And then someone read the list out of, of who got their extensions that day. And it was Ingram, it was Tatum, it was Bam. And then the list stopped. And I was like, bruv, like, De'Aaron Fox is fantastic. He's so fun to watch. He's so skilled. every year. Better every year. But he's in the stink of Sacramento. So they didn't even include him on the fucking list when he just got 175 mil. I think their biggest issue is their coaching situation because once you have a good competitive team on the floor, everything else just kind of comes comes together. Suddenly you're this real well-run organization and everything in the background set up for the team to compete. So everything suggests that Luke Walton will be out by the end of this season. If you um, oh, Mariah, look at the Bulls, look at the Knicks. Like someone has come in, changed the culture. And and I would go as far as saying 
they are more talented than the Knicks, and they they haven't got a Levine who can like Fox isn't the type to shoot you into games like Levine does. But player for player, I haven't really looked at it, but they're probably as talented as the Bulls, if not more, as well. Mm-hmm. And I get that they're in the West, but they're behind fucking OKC, who we're going to talk about in a sec, who have not got that level of talent at all. So I like to dispute that because I'm not, I think I just might think that yeah, the Bulls edge it by quite a bit, but that's neither here nor there. They've got three names minimum that can match up with them. And then they got the extra between Levine, Williams, Laurie, Kobe, Wendell Carter, Otto Porter does a job. But look at the Bulls under Boylan. Yeah, but Laurie. And then the Bulls under... Guys, Laurie. It's night and day. And Laurie's just been injured, man. Laurie's just been injured. He's not like like that Euro star over in Dallas who's a complete... One of the worst seven-footers in the league. But we'll get into that another time. Yeah. Right, Laurie's playing 17 games, 19 a game, shooting 50, 40, 85%. Listen, man, hey, he's doing a job. No, no, no fans tax, man. Um, anyway, uh, that's that's enough for the Kings. I guess we'll we'll continue to watch um them. Let's see who they get. If I think ideally for them, they're in a position that when they draft, um, the guards are gone and, and uh, Mobley's the obvious pick. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, yes, I don't know if they want to skip on one of these guards from the, from this year's draft um and then yeah the decisions become difficult at that point but let's talk about okc we, we spoke about the trade they made uh, early in the pod um yeah let, let's let's talk about what they got going on so obviously they've got shy he didn't i watched them against the knicks um he didn't play unfortunately so that was a slog for me but that was fine rj barrett did his thing it wasn't fun. Uh, yeah rj barrett did his thing so <laughs> so did julius randall but yeah um yes what what are your thoughts on on the project rebuild going on at okc well first firstly is is i put a tweet out and some people were like yeah because they had their moment in the sun on sky sports early doors so the uk audience and it was what 7 p.m so the uk audience finally got to see OKC, but it was a, a Shai Gilgis Alexander or Shea. I still ain't worked it out. SGA less OKC. And I swear to God, you could be standing behind these guys in any shop. And if they were not seven foot, you would have no idea that they were million uh, a million of I do not know who the hell. Bro, you Lou see. Ludor, cool. But then the rest of you. But even you, Morale, you were like really impressed with uh, Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome only Ty Jerome's fifth game with OKC this season, and he'd been in the G League bubble for the past two months, and he's just a nice, smart, young-ish, 23, but uh, point guard who's moving the ball well. He's got crispy passing. He was making some good shots. Um, and then they've got loads of people like that, like the, Ken, Kenrick Williams. Kenrick Williams with his terrible mullet, shag hair, trim, whatever's going on there. He's just a nice all-round player. He can guard a bit. He can cut a bit. He can get to the basket. He can shoot a little bit. Um, and then and then you've got sort of these players that you don't really know are there. Like Horford and Hill are two great veterans who you know they don't really care about playing right now. And they're they're like model pros. They are they're two of the best model pros to have around. So, great family as well, bro. So they're they're, they're sick. And then like I, I don't want to go off too too much because I want to let I want to let um. K get in, but I got, I got, a, I got, I'm going on a rant about SGA later. But then you look at their their two real projects, right? So this is again, we're talking project rebuild, and you look at their two projects who they took in the draft this year, and both of them, if you again looked at the draft write ups or whatever, if you looked at the experts, they said both of these players were going to get drafted and stashed. So one was playing in France, one was playing in Greece, and draft and stash means for anyone listening who's not familiar is it's a European-based player 
um, and they are potential, but they're not ready to come to the NBA. So they're just going to stay out in Europe for a year and you get their draft rights if they are able to come into the NBA at a later point. So they got um, Pokushevsky, a seven foot skinny man who is the youngest player in the NBA, who looks like, like physically he has no, no actual place on an NBA court. Like physically he's a looks like a 2K hybrid player. It's mad. It's, if anyone just Googles him, like you'll go and see how unathletic this guy is. But he's a project. Like he was hitting threes for fun at Olympiakos in Greece. He's a Serbian uh, centre, but not really a centre who can defend as of yet. But he's a project. People assumed that they'd just stash him out. But they've kept him because they were like, fuck it. We're tanking this year anyway. We want that number one pick. He's been all right last few games. He, was, he wasn't great before the G League bubble. They sent him to the G League bubble. We've got some consistency. He can play make and he can shoot the three. Last night, so they had a back-to-back. The Sunday night after they played the Knicks, he was shooting threes for fun. He was, he, I think he finished with like 18 points, four assists, something like that. Um, and, and he's got that about him. He's obviously terrified. He is the youngest player in the league and he probably shouldn't be in the league. They have another player who should have been stashed in Theo Maladon, although they try to get French when they say his name is Theo Maladon. He should have been stashed. He was playing in France, young point guard. And he came in again. Fuck it. We're trying to tank. We don't care. We'll just let him develop. And he started like 11 games, 12 games. Since he's started, he's shooting 50%. He's the fifth youngest player in the NBA. And he's doing his thing. Out of all the rookies, he's third in assists, seventh in freeze made, and sixth in steals. And again, like this is someone who six months ago, people were saying shouldn't even be in the league for another year, year and a half. So they're throwing this caution into the wind to tank except they have someone who probably should have been an all-star over Mike Conley. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and he's not letting them tank. He's putting Don't the apologize. Don't apologize. He's putting the tank in reverse. <laughs> Literally, we've just talked about uh, uh, Sacramento of all his talent. Okay, so you have a better record this year. And, and when they lose, it's not even blowout. Sometimes it is, isn't it? Sometimes the youth just takes over. But they've gone to overtime probably more than anyone else in the NBA. Uh, barring maybe the Wizards and the Nets, they, 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 their loss margins aren't even that big. And it's all because of SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I've got, I've looked at the numbers for him, by the way, and I'll get on those later, but they're ridiculous. But it's also just how he plays. But I'm going to go on my Shea rant a little bit later. Um, yeah, but it's it's a good rebuild potential there. Like, Kate, the picks, Kate. Like, that's... So firstly, yeah, I don't believe in the Presti project personally not the actual team itself but the Presti projects which we've seen over the years which is the same vibes that the Celtics have been on of stashing picks stash, stash, stash. hopes that they're going to attract something sexy and bring the sexy yeah. boys back like they had Ross and KD no, and you've, seen, you've seen it firsthand. yes uh, picks are as good as you make I think, it I think the difference for the Celtics right was for the Celtics' own picks, the Celtics always, similar to Miami, similar to the Spurs, they always wanted to be competitive. Yeah. And it's a tough balance in that. You either want to tank or you want to be a contender. Being competitive and rebuilding is a really tough balance in that because you want to finish high, but draft early. It's, it's not going to work. And then the two years the Celtics were meant to have two amazing picks. Sacramento had their best season in 10 fucking years, and we got the 14th pick. And then the Grizzlies drafted Ja Morant and we got the 14th pick and nearly made the fucking playoffs. So those two picks should have been traded in hindsight. But then when you had them, you thought they were going to be top 10, top six. Um, but but OKC don't have that same thing about, yeah, we want to be competitive. OKC is trying to tank. It's just that their star guard ain't letting them. I'm going to run through it now. Like, obviously, big up the old Pokushevsky. He's now holding a record that Russell KD or Harden didn't have. Actually, the youngest player to score 20 plus points for the Thunder. So there you go. 
the NBA is in the mud. But I hope he gets a lot better and <laughs> we'll see what happens. And also, he's now the second youngest player in the NBA with five plus threes behind only LeBron James. So there you go. Bro, Poku. I swear, Poku, he is no, quite excited. We're, we're, we're not giving him nicknames. We're not doing that. Not, we're not Poku doing that. Poku because no, you've, seen, no, you've seen the no, trouble no, that we had no. with the chef's Poku, game. Poku, the, the, only, the only Poku we recognise is Banks, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's not happening. And then secondly, I'm going to run through... Definitely the stealing Poku Banks, uh, baby. When he scores a bank shot, K, it's happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll be tweeting that on the account. Poku Banks. Oh, my God. It's written itself. I'm looking out for it. So, yeah, I, I'm going to run through the roster again real quick like I've been doing earlier and just let my thoughts be known. Shy is a fantastic player. And last year, obviously, they overachieved with Chris Paul and obviously made the play, made the playoffs. We've seen what Chris Paul's effect is on teams. We can see the Phoenix Suns are now second in the West. Two and a half games behind. Obviously, he's at a better team now, but we clearly see what Chris Paul is on. And also, please, also, on that side note, stop the Chris Paul um, MVP shouts because that's just sickening. Just hurry um, up, hurry up, hurry up. And yeah, obviously here, now on the... On we, got, <laughs> we got now with the rest of this roster. Personally, I don't see much. And this Presti rebuild project has been... Had a brief period of non-startship because obviously they still have Russ and Paul George had the career of his life in his, in his short stint there. So now going back to this rebuild they're attempting again. I mean, I think the only pieces that might last in this whole rebuild when they're going together are surprisingly Lou Dort, who I've got a lot of respect for, actually, who came out of nowhere and gave Harden convulsions last year. And he's actually going to get paid purely on the fact that he can play some defense. Oh, but have you seen his contract, though? So he, he like came He's like on a middle of the year, isn't he? Oh, yeah. he went on. This is the problem. He's too good. He went undrafted. Then joined on a two-way, which we said is non-guaranteed money. Was in four years, five mil. Excuse four years, me. five mil for one Nasty. of the best lockdown perimeter guys in the NBA. Nasty work. Battering ram going to the rim for a bowling Nasty. ball in the air. Are I'm you telling mad? you. Press the way he knocked down Harden out of nowhere and he's on I'm five mil. Five mil, bro. Listen. Over four years. Four years. Honestly, the two, a year in, they've got to change that up. They've got to restructure that joint because right now he's very, very undervalued. And obviously you said Maladon and whatever. Like someone that's actually gone under the radar a bit that he didn't mention because he's not actually played too well this year has been Darius Baisley. Yeah, he was supposed to be some prospect for them as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he's cultivated a bit and if he takes an extra step. I'm not saying he's going to be a world beater, but I think he could be a nice younger piece, especially for them. I think Shea is at this point clear as a talent. I know Yaz will go into even further depth, but right now in his third year or second year in the league, giving us 23 a game. And I know some some of the older heads, the old get off my lawn boys, will be like, oh, this is the new NBA. People are scoring anyhow. But to do this on a team that's not that well-constructed or greatly coached at the moment and look that standout and have the game come so easy to you, it's not easy. And believe me, I used to be of the thought that being on a dead team and being good and putting up numbers is like being a looter in a riot. You're just walking into a shop and just picking up TVs because no one's going to stop you. You said I used to. I feel like you did like three pods ago, but go yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But then I've, I've slowly come around to the idea. I'm not fully there yet. That is obviously a lot harder to do that, of course, because the focus will be on you. You're on your own team and so forth. But I just don't think that this project is purely going to work because of the Presti obsession with picks. Like, this is, my, this is my big problem. And it's going to come to a point that Shai, or Shay, sorry, is going to get his extension and he's going to look around and see nothing but mud because they're going to be wheeling and dealing to find a way to get a one-up on the market. And I know they're, tank, they're trying to tank this year, but we'll see what that pick gets them. 
And we've also seen they're not exactly drafted smartly either, other than this, because they got this off a trade. They didn't exactly draft Shea. So for me, I don't really have much to say otherwise that this project in the hands of Presti again, I'm not sure how we're still living off the Russ and, um, Russ and Harden years, because since then, we've not really seen much. Like he pulled Paul George out his ass, but that lasted quick. And then got Russ out of there. So for right now, as the roster stands, there's not really too many shining lights for me. And Al Horford, I promise you, he won't be there at the end of the year. They'll try and move him or do a little something. George Hill, I think they'll keep for that veteran presence. But Horford, end of the year at most, I think he'll be gone because they're not really set up to succeed. And long-term tanking at this stage of your career, when you can actually still be very useful to a team, to a contending team, it don't really make sense to me. George Hill, maybe not so much, but Al Horford definitely still has value in this league considering what he's done the last few years. And like Yas said, he's just a model professional and just does his job. And he's still giving you decent numbers for what he's doing. It's impossible to do, but I would take Horford back in a second. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, and he also is still very efficient for his height. Not the greatest defender, but he diligent, at least tries. He's not the one that just shirks the job, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, man, I'll leave it to you, yes. But that's for me on this project because right, the, I, I get the uh, hesitance, right, with the with the pesty thing, like. But then it's it's not easy to, I guess, the argument counter argument could be you, you draft these three MVPs in Harden and and KD and uh, you didn't want to play Harden, you could have gone to the NBA Finals. Of course, of course, and there's mistakes, right? But the the argument I would say is, it's hard to draft when you have, sometimes it's hard to fit things around what's already there. So you've got Paul George, you've got Russ, you're contending. And then it, it can be funny to, that's, I guess what the counter argument is, is. And then now you've got two players and two players, who, two players who don't get mentioned enough, by the way, like when people talk about young duos, I guess it's because Dort has, has just exploded on the scene and is still very much developing as an offensive player. He's getting a lot better. He can shoot the three a little bit, driving to the basket. Like he, I think, He's a problem. I think he just needs to get accuracy to go with his strength and stuff. But, bro, they have two players who I don't think get mentioned enough when you talk about young duos. Like, people talk about Ingram uh, and Zion and Brown and Tatum. Don't do that. But, um, listen, I'm not saying they're them. But I'm saying, of of all these rebuilding teams that we've mentioned, I, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to go out and say I would probably take Dort and Shea over Halliburton and Fox because of how high I am on Shea, Right? Because of how high I'm on Shea. The thing with Horford, like you said, he's probably going to go. George Hill is probably going to go. So then that ends up leaving them with mad cap space this summer as well. And then all these picks, you, you look at their picks, right? They could have four first round picks this year in a good draft. They're not keeping all of them. There's no way. They could have two top 10 picks because Houston trading for Westbrook got themselves in such a fucking mess that if their pick lands outside the top three, it goes to OKC. So OKC could have two top 10 picks with their own and with Houston's. And then they can package their other two and they can get a trade and they'll have all this cap space potentially if they can move Horford and this and the other. They've got two second round picks this year as well. And then picks on picks on picks on picks on picks. So I'm, I'm not even just saying it for the drafting aspect. I'm saying it for what you can package to make a move. Let me just go on about Shea though, because this is the thing. I think because they're a tanking team and eyes aren't on them, people are maybe not really seeing what Shea's doing. I really liked Shea at the Clippers as a rookie. And when he went in that Paul George trade, obviously, like everyone else, I was excited about what the Clippers might have done with George and Kawhi. But I was like, SGA, though, that's a that's a nice piece to give away. 
bro, if you look at Shay's numbers, yeah, I was in my bag looking at these numbers and I was surprised. I like Shay and I was still surprised by how good these numbers are. Listen, if you're listening to the pod, we're going to get statty for like one minute and a half. But listen, because they're sick. They are sick numbers, right? True shooting percentage. So in English, how likely is it this man is going to get you a bucket, whether it be a foul, a three or, or something in the perimeter for a two? Shea is 63% true shooting percentage, right? The only other people shooting as efficiently as Shea in a team where, by the way, you can lock onto this guy and win the game. The only other people in the league shooting as efficiently as Shea using the same usage, listen to the company, are Zion, Levine, Embiid, Jokic, Curry, Paul George, Harden. That's it. Everyone else is either being used less or not shooting as efficiently. Then you look at his assist percentage. So this is how much of the overall buckets are being assisted by this guy, as well as the ones that he's getting you in terms of when he gets the ball, he turns it into points. 32%. Only people in the league over that. Forget usage. This is just flat out. Luca, Russ, Jokic, Jimmy Butler, Harden, Fox, Lillard, Curry, LeBron, Morant. Only ones. So then I looked at, all right, cool. So we're, we're telling me this guy is an elite creator potentially developing i don't think the numbers he needs to get better on that end but i think he could and he's an elite scorer already which i think he's developed that three shot and he's getting better you i highlighted the guys who are on both those lists yeah there is four guys on both those lists steph curry nikola jokic james harden and shea gilgis alexander no one is putting up numbers that are as point heavy and assist heavy as these guys and I swear, I know this is going to be my second thing that draws. <gasps> you can't say that. But when I watch Shay, there are times, there are times where I get hardened vibes. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I'll tell you why, right? Like he has this sort of slow little creep up to the key and, he, and he'll just finish his jumpers, right? If you look at his numbers about pull-up jumpers, again, like I won't go too, too in-depth in them. I can put them online if people want them. But if you look at his pull-up jumpers, He's up there for three-point pull-ups with George, Randall, Levine, McCollum, <laughs> D'Lo, Middleton, Curry, Durant, Conley, and then Shea's right in the middle of it. And then you look at the numbers compared to Harden on drives. Bro, the only people who are as efficient driving to the basket and turning that into buckets with as many as they do are Luca, Shea, and Harden. And Shea is more efficient while doing more drives than Harden with less spacing. Then you look at the pass percentages that come out of them drives. He's high on that too. And his turnovers are less than what Harden's offering as well. So the numbers match up in a shit team, right? And then you can go either way on that. You can say, well, of course, someone has to get buckets. But then you can say, well, hold on a minute. Like, look at OKC's roster. It's not like they have a John Collins and a DeAndre Hunter down there. Like, you can lock in on shape. I think the drive and the shooting... Just give me, give me vibe. He'll never be as good as Harden. But I mean, don't don't say never, never no, say no, never, bro. And also on that as well, like he's the one who lost Harden. I yeah, guess on, on you went on that as well. Yes, <laughs> on that as well. I know you're in your deep in your advanced stats bag. I'm gonna have a little a little slash of that myself. You actually can see he's actually making a range of shots across. I cannot even like advanced stats. I've definitely <laughs> turned him. If you go into the field goal percentage by distance, you can see actually he's actually a very efficient shooter across the court. So we'll start with obviously zero to three feet. 64%. Okay, buzzing. Okay, look at his face. That's up with it now. And then we've got three to 10 feet. 51%. 
10 to 16 drops a bit, so that's 38%. Obviously, the mid-range isn't really a shot in this game, but 38% people can take. Then, of course, 16 to three-point line, three point land, 40%. An actual three-point land, 41%. So, obviously, taking a range of shots. Three-level score. And also, with that as well, his percentage of shots, by distance, actually, he's actually taking a good amount of twos. So, 68% of his shots are twos, and they're closer to the rim. Bro, oh, he is yeah. he is elite player, into the basket. Elite to get into the basket. He's six seven with long arms, and this is the other thing with that cap space, bro. He's not even on his big deal yet, so he's they not. can get a free agent in now and still extend that guy. I don't know, man. Also, he's got the spirit of Westbrook in him. He dresses like a moron, so he's as well. Yeah, he's like so smooth and he's deceptively quick. He's like. Yep. Bro, he's got, he's got that look of slow by. He's got the slow by going on. Guys, before they really know, and it's not like a quick first step by them. It's kind of just like boom, boom, and I'm gone. And the thing is, I think he is quite quick, but like he said, he's very controlled and measured for this stage of his career, of his game. So it should be very interesting to see how he develops. Bro, I would take him right now over DeAndre Fox. I would take him right now over Jalen Brown. I think Shea Gilgis oh, Alexander that's is that's big. Be so good if they surround this guy with the right players. And I, I couldn't believe the numbers when I was looking at them, comparing them. It didn't to really make sense, did they? Bro, but then you watch it and you're like, this guy's winning games by himself. He's fucking the whole tank up, bro. He's ruining And he's gone up every year from 10 points a game at, at the Clippers. Obviously, he played a lot there. And obviously, that, they surprised everyone that year. Second year with Chris Paul, 19 a game. So, obviously, a big jump there. And again, another jump to 23.7. So... Yeah, he's developing nicely. I want to see how he comes along. And like you said, he's got a very good frame for his height. And uh, hopefully, this is a big hope that he doesn't fall into the category of high usage and empty stats on a dead team. So I'm really hoping they surround him with some good yeah, people. I agree. And I think that's why it's important that they have someone like Dort. Like, people who haven't seen Dort play, like, honestly, Dort broke out as a rookie defending Harden in the playoffs. And he's what everyone good. thinks Roberson should be, basically. Bro, Roberson was, was, he is that. So, he, yeah, man. And I think just... I think the fact that they've run so many teams close and gone to overtime so much, um, yeah, it just shows that he is impacting winning. winning. Uh, bro, put it this way. And again, I'll take him over Trey Young. I don't care. He's impacting winning in a in a way that Trey you know, wasn't in his first what? couple of years you know in the league in the East. Oh, it's true. And also, Trey is also like five foot 11 in heels. Like, he's not six foot. That's a lie. So, and even though he's a flamethrower on offense, I'm not a fan of very, very small, small, small guards that you can't hide anywhere on defense because it's impossible, especially when you get deep into the playoffs. And that's when you really see empty stats. And we're obviously seeing with the Hawks now, even though they're improving on a bit of a win streak. Sorry to side note there. Hey, poor Lloyd. They ain't lost since Lloyd Pierce got sacked. Obviously, Lloyd is gone now. They've got Nate McMillan. But then you could see at the start when there wasn't really that structure, he was just doing vibes. That players, what you can hear, you hear and stuff in the athletic, how... You didn't, you didn't really like the style of play that Trey was playing and the shots he was taking because it's not conducive to winning. So a big guard like Shea, I mean, I'm not mad at Yas saying that. It seems mad on paper considering what Trey has actually done, but I can see the vision. Yeah. I won't co-sign the man. And, 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 it's, and it's easy to call a guy good when he's good and when he's rated. Uh, you make your money as an analyst by calling it when everybody isn't. So um, hey, I like Shea as a rookie too, man. I like Shea as a rookie. <laughs> so we, we plan to be here for a while. So we'll, we'll see exactly how well... Um, Yes, is uh, Shay Shy Shout uh, ages, uh, and let's finish up with. I guess are we calling them Project Rebuild? We're calling them Project Something. Project um, fucking <laughs> down the house, bro. <laughs> Tillman Farita's uh, Houston Rockets. Um, yeah, take us away, yes. Ooh. 
<laughs> the only thing I will say, right, is uh, they have been, they are st- poor Steven Silas, man. Like this guy, I've said it before, but it's, you know, I feel he's so- in, yeah, two former oh. MVPs, one oh. of the best five to seven um, players in the league. Oh. What has he, what has he got in it? If you go back, yeah, he put up a video in the Rockets Arena when he signed his contract, yeah. He was looking happy as Larry. He was like, yes, Houston, happy to be here. This guy on the bench, bless his fucking heart. You know that picture of how Obama aged in the in the four years or eight years of presidency, where he came in as this bright, sparkly-eyed, big smile guy, and then the greys came in and it just was looking stressful. Steven Silas has done that in four months. Like, he's come in. Obviously, there was the the breakdown of... Uh, of uh, Russ and James Harden, and then he had to deal with the James Harden shit in his face. Then they had to cut Boogie Cousins. I can't imagine that was ever an easy conversation. Boogie Cousins is a big fella. And then, like, just, bro, they're still having to play right now. Victor Oladipo, by the way, he got snaked with the Oladipo trade because Oladipo doesn't want to resign there. Everybody knows that. I know that. I've never met the flipping guy. He doesn't want to resign there. He's turned down an extension. So why are you getting rid of Levert? They can't offer him a lot, though. They can't offer him a lot yet. But why not just keep the same? He might still sign it because what they can offer him right now. I get that. Yeah, you're right. You are right. But all the all the word is he wants to go Miami, Um, and then you got you had Levert, and I don't know. I think Levert's locked up. I don't know whether there's a huge amount in between those two, and then you got flipping uh, snaked in that trade. You didn't even get like a Jarrett Allen like you could have done early in the season or a Dinwiddie or anything like that. So the trade, the Harden trade, in hindsight, is going to go down as one of the worst trades for Houston ever. They didn't even get what we thought was a moderate package. They fumbled the whole thing. Then you look at what they've what he's actually dealing with. They made a really good signing in Christian Wood. Christian Wood came in and he had him playing some nice stuff. Christian Wood's been out now for nearly a third of the season. John Wall's knee is playing up, the same knee he's had surgery on. That's that that I mean we all were really happy to see John Wall balling, but that's not looking great now. Eric Gordon is out for another six weeks or maybe five weeks or something like that. He's creaking at 32. Even like the the role guys that have been nice to him, Dan Wall House has a knee issue. David Noaba has a wrist issue and he's playing through it. He said David Noaba said to him on the bench, I'm hurt, but coach, I got a play. Um, Exum and Kurox, the guy they got in that uh, Harden trade, they haven't played since. And now PJ Tucker. The reliable vet has said, yeah, coach, I'm done. I'm out. Don't play me. Don't suit me up. I'm going somewhere that I want to win something. They're playing with half a roster. The only bright spot they have is one, a shot at Cade Cunningham or Jalen Green or Evan Mobley, which I'd like because they're too good a franchise. The owner's a bit of a douche, but I I, I want them to be good. And and, uh, Kevin Porter Jr., well, I don't know how much I don't know how much of you lot have seen of Kevin Porter Jr. Player, He's player, a and player the thing about the thing about that is I've got a problem with with how they acquired him, bro. Like Cleveland, I want history to I want Cleveland to be on the wrong side of history for this. Amen. So, since LeBron time, since David Griffin's open letter, like, the way they could, bro. Like everyone's like, oh, you don't know what he did. You don't know what he did. He has previous. If you actually look at the story of Kevin Porter Jr., yeah, this guy's dad was. Uh, sort of wrongly accused of, of manslaughter when he was young. The guy's dad died when he was young. Um, he's like he's basically from ends. He started hooping and playing ball in like youth clubs and this that, and the other in Seattle. Then uh, you're, he's, from, he's from ends. He goes to University of Southern California. Um, 
and then he gets yeah. indefinitely suspended there and his draft stock drops drops from a top 10 talent and he gets picked 30th by Cleveland. And you're like, all right, cool, good. Start of his second season in Cleveland now, he's arrested uh, and he's charged because he's got a loaded handgun and his, his Mercedes or something flips and he's got a small, small amount of weed in the car like every fucking player's not blazing up anyway. And then they discipline him internally. And then now there's a thing of, he gets traded because he blows up because they moved his locker without asking him from a main squad to where the rookies will sit over there, which is obviously just it's a bit snaky. I get you want to you want to you want to teach a lesson. I just don't like that, right? I've worked with bear youths like that. We all know people like that, and there's a way to manage people like that. And then he starts switching, screaming at the owners, throwing food, this that and the other, and they're horrified and they trade him for basically nothing, bro. I don't give a shit. You have a responsibility to manage your talent and manage your people. The kid is 20 years old, 19 years old in the NBA, more money than he knows what to do with. Background is sketchy at best. Obviously has, has, has issues in terms of managing himself. I, I swear to God, not only has he been really, really good for the first two games of his Houston career, and he's a talented player. The G League bubble was probably really good for him for his focus and stuff. I just, I really want him to do well considering all of that. Like yeah. it, it really shows the issue of diversity in like uh, front offices and teams that no one was able to just say, oh, come, let's sort this out from a from a board level. It was just, right, you're getting traded. Why are you trading a man because he's shouting? Like, what's wrong with you? This is Bro. like, and, and then you, he goes, and then, and I'll be real, you've got a youngish black coach who's been around a lot of dressing rooms for a very long time and his dad was in the game. You've got someone like John Wall who has seen the ups and downs of the game. <laughs> Maybe not the best influence in some regards, John Wall, but... I hope they take him in and just manage him and he keeps balling out like he's done. That's my thing with Houston. I really want Cleveland to regret that move forever because all I see is the mismanagement of a young person that needs help. That's it. Yeah. Um, I won't touch on Kevin Paul because obviously Yaz has done a fantastic job, but boy, oh boy, do Houston stink. Um, it's clear to see this is what happens when you trade away a top five player in the league. It's clear. Like the data shows all the time when you lose the, one of the best players in the league, the chances are your franchise is going to stink. And I'm just here to say, Westbrook stands, we back up, baby. Because Wait, are you? Hey, 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 yes, yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> Do you know why? Do you know why? Because we're shameless. Do you know why? Because they told me that Houston had won the trade, you see, because John Wall was playing ball again. You see, his ankles were fine. His Achilles was fine. His knees are fine. But now look at us. Look at them. Who would have thought? I did. Now look at them. Big Boogie's gone. Yeah, he's not the player he thought he was. John Wall is barely playing ball. Like he started well. This is all nice. I'm lucky, but like you like to say, empty stadium tax. There was nobody there to watch him. And also now his body, his body hurts a bit. Cool. Christian Wood, obviously fantastic player. You guys have heard the stories out there on, on Twitter. Girlfriend left when he wasn't drafted. Now he's been drafted. Obviously playing ball, been injured. Ap apologies. Hope it comes good for him. Vicky Oladipo, best singer in the NBA, baby. Also doesn't want to be there. And in touching on what Yas said about Oladipo, that he doesn't want to sign his extension because he wants to join the Miami Heat culture, Houston actually could actually offer him something, but I believe it was only like 45 million max over like two years. And he's thinking, I can get more than this. And also players in the NBA today, like the long-term guarantee of safety. And two years, they'll probably put a team option or a player option in there. And then we're in a panoramic right now. Ain't for him. So he's probably thinking, I'm going to play the season out and see what happens. And then we've got PJ Tucker. He's a weird conundrum because he's a corner three killer. However, he plays the big man role and he's only barely 6'4". But he just happens to be very, very strong. 
So even though he's been hotly touted, he's been thrown around to the Lakers, Celtics, to all the names of contending teams. In reality, I'm not too sure what they can do with him because they not look good this year. Right? Even even early when he was playing, like he, he's not looked. Yeah, he's not looked great. And the thing was, the reason why he looked great because shock. He had James Harden and Russell Westbrook on his team, and now they're not there. They're in the mud. They got Kenyon Martin's son there. He's not really doing much for them. I mean, Eric Gordon, the shadow of himself. Like Eric Gordon works best in good teams where the structure, he could be the sixth man, come off the bench and shoot efficiently and do what he wants. When he's in a bad team, we've seen what he's on. Because I remember him very clearly at New Orleans when he was the number two guy and he, he wasn't enough. But we've seen the best of Eric Gordon when the responsibility is minimal in terms of team leadership. So yeah, as of right now, the Houston Rockets are mudded and me personally, I couldn't be happier because... Yeah, they told me they were back, and they ain't. I feel bad because it looked so good at one point as well. Yeah, it could have, should have, would have, baby. They were looking, they were playing, <laughs> defense, yeah, they were playing they were on a little win streak, and then these injuries have just gone awry, awry. I'm just thinking of poor Steven Silas, man. I want that guy to do well. Yeah, he's just going to be in for a bit of a grind, and then he'll he'll get his time in the sun. So uh, just to finish up, we, we spoke about our four uh, rebuilding situations. So Houston, OKC, Sacramento, and Detroit. Um, I'd like you two gentlemen to, to rank them for us very kindly from worst situation uh, to best situation. Uh, I could guess, but I don't want to assume. So of those four teams, who do you think has the worst situation currently? Yes, you want to go first on this one? Because I'm... I, as, as much as I think they're building something, <laughs> whatever that something looks like, I don't know. And it's got to be Detroit, in it? It's got to be Detroit. Man, that place I still think they could do all right. But of the four, uh, it's got to be Detroit because they, they have the least talent that's proven on deck. Um, and it's not really a destination. It's not on the West Coast. It's not got a, a history. Like the You're West. not really going to play. Like, I like Jeremy Grant, but people, I don't know if people are going to check to play with Jeremy Grant the same way they will SGA, you know? So... Um, unless you're a massive D12 fan or something, I don't know like what the appeal you, is. You watched Eight Mile every time I was on ITV over Christmas. Yeah, there we go. You know, uh, cool. so we got Detroit fourth. Uh, K, uh, who did you have third? Uh, well, I want to put the king, Ooh. the kings, the kings. Um, is that because of how historically poorly they've been run? Oh, um, 100. Oh, 100. Oh, no, <laughs> the kings are gonna king. And the nepotism right now is not working because Luke Walton is not very good. I'm sorry, you can be as smart as you want, but it's just not working for them. They've been poorly constructed and I don't think they're going to have enough to attract people in the future, especially in the West. And well and truly, man, Sacramento is dry. That ain't really LA. That's just like on the side. I said I went to a game at Sacramento. We drove to the game and then we drove back to LA. I can't even lie. We didn't even stay in Sacramento. Listen, we, no one we want to be a little look. You know when you, you know, you Google things to do, top things to do. Do you know Listen. what was number one? Go to a Sacramento game. That was number one in the entire city. So Bro, I, was, I did that. I was out. I was out. I'd done it. I was done. I, was I know the players ain't even inviting their shorties to games. Like, Who would you play for, Sacramento? Uh, yeah, that's cool. Let me know when you're in Detroit. Yeah, what? <laughs> cool. so if, you, if we've got Sacramento third, and it sounds like we've got no uh, question marks from Yas on that, you're in agreement, Yas? Yeah, it's second and third is tight though, because I think they do have a bedrock of talent. But I think that, yeah, you're going to need it to be managed better. You're going to need to be a coach better. Uh, yeah, they just, they just, it is like, like it's the Chiellini thing. I'm here to tell you that they stink. 
Um, and I think I think as much as the Rockets are on fire, if they can get um, a KPJ next to a Cade Cunningham or an Evan Mobley or a Jalen Green, that is two rookie scale contract players who are sky's the limit. So so I think uh, I think I think Houston might just nick second, and they're a bigger market. Houston, like people will want to play in Houston a lot more. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna. But they but then Fatita is a little. He's a he's a penny pincher. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong though. Houston second, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would have put them third. The point is, even though their talent wise is a lot worse than than Sacramento, they're in Houston. So that is just the main thing. And the thing is, they, they, they should be very grateful to Harden to this because he's made them a winning franchise for so, so long. That's not, it's not a short period of time where it's only been one or two years that they're winning where they're new to it. They've been winning for seven, eight years and consistently contending. So they can't just drop off. They're in the consciousness, that. right? Like people who've grown up like Houston, they like yeah. Harden. They will want yeah. to be in Houston. It's a good place to live, good place to be. But also, exactly. you know, no state free- income tax. No income tax. And you've got Christian Wood locked up for another three years or something. Exactly. John Wall there for at least another year. Even if John Wall isn't able to be on the court too, too much. Like, John Wall's a vet I'd want around. For me, I think if they're smart about Oladipo, they'll try flipping for the deadline, personally. Oh, they should. They 100% should. But they've they've got some pieces there, man. And I think when everyone's fit, they've got a coach who it sounds like you'd want to play for as well. Like, yeah, I think think coach-wise, location-wise, they're over Sacramento. And then if they get a big, big, big talent in this draft, like the flagship talent. I think talent-wise, they're level with the Kings as well. So yeah, even though they've got Fatih as a penny pinching guy, at the same time, like before, like I know Harden was saying it was so hard for me to win over these years, blah blah blah. He's not been scared of putting his money on the table and putting them in position to win. Like it's no accident, even though just with Harden, they've been there or thereabouts for the last six, seven years, or if more. Gave Paul all that money. Gave Westbrook. Obviously, they were happy to trade and give him that money as well. Gave hard, they tried to give Harden 250 million. Yeah, he said no. So they're ready to compete and give the money out. He just happens to see like who they're gonna do it for. Yeah, yeah. So I guess uh that leaves you both agreeing that okay, yeah, boys in blue. Number one. <laughs> so after everything you said about Presty, after everything, oh, this is oh no, 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 don't don't get it twisted, yo. This is just a case of obviously shy hive to the end, however. These are the worst. These are not the worst of a bad, bad bunch. Yeah. This is like this is like stepping into a zoo and deciding I'm gonna step in the cow poo, the horse poo, the crocodile, or the lion. They're all poop. It just depends which one you want to step into, yeah. Okay. And then that's just it. And you just want to happen to step into the lion because you would die the fastest in there. And that just happens to be okay. See, they've got their lion, they've got Shay. They'll be okay. Just hopefully, and the most picks as well. So you would hope they'll craft something out of that. So that means they're the least worst situation out of all. The least worst. I like that. Houston could have been top just because of the fact they got the clubs and no income tax, but they ain't got Shea. And I've got, I've, they got the ghost of John Wall, who they told me was better than Westbrook now, and they won the trade. Oh, so. please, please, please. <laughs> and uh, with that, bro, I think that might be time to wrap it. Yeah, thank you. You somehow managed to squeeze some Russell Westbrook propaganda into into this back baby yeah well well done well done um only reams could have been more shameless than you so with that i want to thank you yes uh thank you k and we got it was a pleasure nice one boys sports social podcast network